0: You know, you've got three pillars. You've got speed, you've got quality, and you've got cost. And you can usually have two of those three. A lot of times, maybe even only one, but you can't usually have three out of three. Yep. And so the cost was super cheap. The quality was good, but he was so slow. And we saw this opportunity. And then you capitalize on that. So you got to be mobile and flexible. Yep. And that's like the beauty and fun. It's not the same day every day at the office. Like it's not the same routine. It's different. You just you create, you build, you develop. It's it's exciting. And I know you've experienced a lot of that. Oh, for sure.
1: You are now listening to the real estate heavyweights
0: podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing and I do believe that in life
1: your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate life and beyond with your hosts Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines. Well, good morning and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Heavyweights podcast. I am Ashton Hines, half of the Real Estate Heavyweights. The other half uh, of our podcast of this dynamic duo is Tavis Westbrook. He is out he is floating in the Caribbean as we speak. Uh, he is on an amazing bucket list trip. He is documenting it on Facebook Live. So if you want to check in with him, he's doing a really good job of showing people around. But he and five friends, his wife and two other couples are floating island to island uh, across the Caribbean for 10 days. And he is a captain and two of the other people are captains. And so they're they're manning it themselves. It's really awesome. So he's out. I was out last week in Chicago with a uh, a trip, another band trip. My daughter was invited to play at a conference there in Chicago. So we took the family up there, spent a few days up there, which was great. Came back just in time for me to get COVID. And then uh, everyone went down to Austin <laughs> to spend uh, a few days for Christmas and uh, to see family. And that brings me to our guest today. We have an interview. And not only is it an interview with just some random real estate person, but It is a person who's been a great mentor to me. I've worked with him for a few years uh, as I was getting started as a traditional real estate agent. He is an investor. He also is married to a very talented interior designer in Austin who happens to be my sister. It is the one and the only Dustin Mix. What's up, Dustin?
0: Hey, yeah, yeah. That's uh, quite the intro. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't know that I'll be able to provide quite as much value as Mister Tavis, as he's <laughs> living out all our dreams yes. of you know just sailing around the Caribbean, uh, you know, for ten days. And that's that's kind of why we're doing all this, isn't it? No kidding, man. I guess it's been
1: you know it's been one of these things. He's you know we've talked on the podcast. that He has a a nice boat on Lake Louisville. It's a big boat, and so he's used to driving captaining, whatever you want to call it, the larger boats. And the the guy that actually has a boat next to him, the slip next to him also uh, can captain really large boats. He's in the boat business and he's actually done this trip before. So they've island hopped. He sort of knows the ins and outs of how to, to do it. And so that planted the seed with Tavis and Tabitha. And they had sort of written it down of like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it just worked out for them to do it. And so, yeah, he's he's living the dream. And uh, I got to see one of his live streams yesterday, kind of uh, an odd twist. Uh, you know, I, I'm so glad to have met Tavis. I am i haven't been able to add a ton of value to him from an investment side. And he's, he's definitely put more into my life than I've been able to put into his. I I'm, I bring the technical side, the podcast, the the editing of the the reels and stuff like that I've helped him out a lot with that but I'm actually happy because he has a listing right now in Irving and he's out and so he put me down as the point person and so I've been fielding calls for him as he's <laughs> out and sort of playing this uh, intermediary it's it's a different listing he mentioned it it's a family member it went through probate the house itself has some issues And there's a lot of questions for people walking through. So it's been fun uh, being able to fill those questions and hopefully can kind of help him out as he's out of the country. And maybe he can sell a house while he's in the Caribbean, which again, dream of everybody to be able to do do real estate business as uh, you're floating around the Caribbean. So anyway, um, like I said, you know, Dustin, uh, he was my broker for probably close to 2 years somewhere in there 2 years yeah, yeah. when you first got started yep i started with kelly williams you started with kelly williams way before that but i i was with the kelly williams office over in flower mount for about 6 months it just wasn't a good fit called up dustin i was talking to him all the time anyway for all my questions and saying you know how do i do this how do i do that i'm like why don't i just join your brokerage and so um, why don't you why don't you get everyone caught up to you know, the basics of how you got into real estate. I know you have a commercial background. Um, And then we'll kind of bring them up into today. And, and we'll get to talking about, uh, you know, your
0: business, what it looks like now you're investing all that. But how'd you get how'd you get started? Yeah, so I actually got licensed back in 2007. I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I was uh blessed to actually receive a scholarship at the University of Texas. I played football there during the glory years. And it looks like hopefully we're returning don't want to say anything to jinx anything like uh, other people have done in the past, but, you know, got a, got a chance, an incredible opportunity. Um, but I had three medical hardship or three concussions. And so I got what's called a medical hardship, which at that time, there was not NIL money. There was none of that kind of stuff. And so we weren't allowed to work when we were on scholarship. Even though I was able to keep my scholarship, I gave up my basic position on the team and stayed in student coach for two years um, but during, during that time, I was able to go ahead and I could work. I was legally with NCAA, I was allowed to work. And so got my real estate license. I wasn't a business major. I was education and, but knew I liked real estate and didn't know exactly why. But, you know, I know there was a lot of commercial real estate guys that donated big money at UT and kind of was in and around them. some, and so just kind of thought I liked that. Um, mm. And so got my license and leased just, just to college students initially. But then I got an internship doing commercial real estate. Uh, did tenant representation, uh, so it's a little bit different. So all you did was represent leases. You signed three to five, up to ten year leases uh, on commercial property, uh, and so was doing that for about two and a half years, uh, just right out of college. Uh, and that, on the business side, was was really good. Just kind of getting that experience. It was, you know, hundred percent commission, and so you really had to grind and figure it out. And you know, I think I made forty or fifty thousand dollars a year. It wasn't a bunch, but I was twenty, you know, twenty four at the time. And, uh, you know, just really liked it, but it was kind of at that point in the career of like, Hey, can you pursue down this and this is your career or kind of, this is at a pivot point. And I didn't know exactly what I was going to, wanted to do as young. And so I stepped out of real estate for a couple of years, uh, but then got married to your sister and w- we moved to Austin. We lived abroad for a little bit. So we moved back to Austin and kind of starting things up again. And so I got back into real estate and we went the residential side. And this was 2012, Kind of when I when I got in, kind of got in and really was just doing real estate. So I was just I was a realtor, just figuring it out. It was good. I was younger than a lot of my friends and everyone at the time. I had a strong network in Austin, and so I was able to kind of start that up at a good time. We were coming off that two thousand eight, nine, ten, eleven down cycle, and so we were kind of on the upward trend. So it was a ideal time to get in, uh, and so I've. Uh, done and still continue to do that as my, my main source of income, but have used real estate and the knowledge and everything that I've experienced over the past decade, really to, to to parlay that into other businesses that are still involved around real estate, but allow me to kind of get multiple streams of income. And that's like the exciting thing in the entrepreneurial yep. side to me, long-term that's, that's even more so excites me than just selling people houses, right? Those are one-off transactions, but and yes, you are building a business in that sense and having the referrals and all that come in They're, they're there is that, but then, you know, kind of looking at now, I've you know, we've done some flips, I've got some uh, rental properties and and all that. Like that's the exciting thing with different things and avenues you can do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was listening to a guy,
1: Ricky Cruth. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, for, for whatever reason, he's kind of popped into my, my orbit on Instagram and then on YouTube. And, and one of the things he says is he's a traditional agent. He has a big business. But he said, you should always be your number one client and you should be looking for yourself and trying to find investment properties or flips or like, if you enjoy real estate and you're out there looking and you're spending time on the MLS and talking to other agents and other clients, like you should be finding stuff for yourself. And like, you're a great example of that where, you know, it's not like you have this, you know, I'm going to own 15 apartment complexes or I... I'm going to do it's just like you're kind of piecing it together you've been very steady year by year I'm going to pick one up I'm going to pick this up you got some momentum doing a burr when that made sense when the the rates were good so rea- like a very realistic very doable plan from just a a dude you know that happens to really like real estate but honestly traditional real estate it's a job so you could you could you know be an engineer or a lawyer and have an income coming in and do the same thing you're doing as far as you know an investment here and there and flipping so why don't you take us into that what was your first property you know how did you get into the actual investing side of
0: the real estate okay it's 2014 uh, I've been a realtor for a year a year and a half then we Megan, my wife and I purchased uh, purchased a property in Austin, little bungalow, thirteen hundred square foot, three one. Um, but we purchased that for two two hundred thirty five thousand back in two thousand and fourteen, and we went to get our financing. The lender told us would be fine, and then the lender said, "Oh, we need two years of tax returns." So, you know, I didn't even being in real estate that was still kind of I was in that learning phase of kind of figuring out financing, and understanding, and that kind of stuff takes a long time. And so we're scrambling because this house was offered, you know, I think it was like 230,000. We offered 5,000 over. There were multiple offers. This was back before multiple offers were much of a thing. Our parents thought we were crazy just because it was such a small house for so, that, you know, what felt like so much money. And we were able to do some creative things. We had someone come in and actually co-sign uh, to get us the loan to help get us. And then we refinanced out of it a year later once I had the 2 years of tax returns in order to qualify. And so... But we almost lost it then. But we were so excited about it. And we knew that they had accepted our offer and then got another offer for 20000 over. And so we didn't do any repairs, anything. Uh, they didn't. But we used that. That was fun. We were newly married. Um, we did a lot of the work ourselves. Uh, your dad helped with a lot of it. It was a fun experience and getting to go, you know, but we spent about twenty five thousand dollars over a two year period on that property, but then sold it in 2016 for around three seventy. Um, We had held, right. We held it just for two years enough so that we could sell it and then get that money tax free. And so we got had all those profits, and then that was two thousand sixteen. So we thought, let's utilize this. And let's leverage this and not just go buy another property and a bigger one, but let's kind of diversify. It gave us the comfort level to do our first flip. So we bought a flip. We had the cash. We rented a place. We sold it and just said, we'll figure it out. Let's rent. We knew we wanted to do a rehab. We kind of wanted to figure that kind of stuff out. So we rented. Um, But in the meantime, decided, let's flip a property. So we used some creative financing for that. So I've got, I, for the financing that we use, it was basically a cash deal. But we had a network. We had a network of people that we just talked to and you just have conversations about. And this is what we're doing and blah, blah, blah. And what you find, there's a lot of people with money out there. We mm-hmm. don't talk about it. They're not openly necessarily talking about it. And I wasn't even necessarily asking for money when I would go to, go to some of these people. It was more like presenting them an opportunity, right? Interest rates at that time were nothing. And so sitting, you know, they're getting 2%, 1% in a bank account. You know, and I kind of was able to go and offer six percent, which is that a great deal. Now, <laughs> you yeah. know, then <clears throat> seemed, I hope seemed like a have lot. person's number because I I could yeah. use that. <laughs> uh, seemed like a great you know great return for them, and so they financed the deal for us, and so we bought it in theory cash, but then we used our own money to fix it up. Our you know. Uh, Oh crap plan was like, we well, are renting a house. If it doesn't sell, blah, 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 we'll move into it. That was our security. I was all about like, okay, I need outs, multiple outs. It can't just be one thing at this point. I'm I'm figuring all this out. My wife's figuring it all out. You know, and so we so we bought that and then we did the rehab basically ourselves. It was Megan and I over there doing a lot of stuff. I mean we G seeded ourselves, which was new at the time, like figuring that out. We had some contacts and connections and some people that kinda helped guide us, but we just figured it out. We, you know, we were over there you know, changing windows, which we never should have done, but that's how you learn. And that's how you kind of right. figure out going through, like grinding it that first one. But it was great. Well,
1: and you realize, hey, next time I'm going to hire this
0: out. You know, not you can't really probably do that for everything, but oh yeah, a thousand dollars to thousand dollars to do this, I would have paid more than that. Like, you know, you start, yeah. un- it really helps you to understand the value when mm-hmm. you pay someone to do something. Like, what's it worth to you, right? Like certain things aren't. I, I never want. I, I never wanted to learn, and still don't want to learn how to spackle. I don't want to learn how to do drywall. I don't learn how to spackle, tape, float, all of that, you know. But we we went through that and started figuring that out, and uh, you know, but we grind it. We cut costs anywhere we can. Did whatever you know? Did whatever we could, but it worked. Like we made, I, I think, almost forty k on on that, and we kind of caught the bug a little bit. At that same time, uh, we bought our first rental property. And this, at that time, this was 2015, 14, 15, 16, kind of right in there. I mean, this was actually 2016 by the time we bought it. But I started listening to and getting very involved in uh, a podcast called Bigger Pockets. At that time, it was very grassroots. It was basically, it started as a chat room, essentially. And then it's now grown. I don't know if, you know, I know you're familiar with Bigger Pockets, but I'm not sure your listeners who are. But it, it was grassroots. And this is what it was. The, the, what we're doing right now is what they did every week. And you, I just, I'd go on jogs, walks, anything I could, just soaking up that information. You know, I'd retain 5% of what was said, but all of those little nuggets of value add up. And you pretty soon, like it it, create, it was my education, it was my, um, you know, going to real estate school, kind of figuring it all out and starting those conversations and researching and doing all that. And so at that time, they're they big And the, you mentioned it earlier, called BERT. And so buy, rent, rehab, Repeat kind of a deal, refinance, repeat. Uh, I think is what that stands for. And so we wanted to try this. So we bought our first rental property in Mainer outside of Austin. It was one hundred and twenty-seven thousand, I think, or one hundred thirty thousand, right there. We bought it. Same deal. We bought it cash, hundred percent financed through our through a friend. Um, and so you can also do hard money, which is you know you pay a little bit more for. There's you know your own money. There's you know government money, and then there's private money, and then there's hard money. <laughs> yeah, we had our own cash to do the rehab. We only did about twenty thousand 20, See, I made uh, twenty thousand of rehab. Okay, on that. So we're at that time. I mean, we're all in for. Let's see, it was we bought it for one hundred twenty seven, and we did about ten thousand of improvements. So we're all in for one hundred forty seven or something like that. Uh, not not one hundred thirty-seven. Not doing my math correct. Right. It re- well. So then we go to a bank, and now we want to get traditional fin- financing. We have We've got a tenant in there. We've got it leased, and we go and get the you know go get traditional financing. At that time, you know, still I'm at an interest rate of four point seven five, which is incredible. I've got a tenant in there, and it, when I finance it, it appraised for one sixty. So my all in cost. So I had a loan on it for let's just call it 130. I put in about 10 of my own so I'm all in for 140. It appraised for 160. So I've by doing all the sweat equity, I've done something called forced appreciation. So I've forced appreciation on the property by improving it. And so then I go to the bank and say, hey, I want to get a loan, you know, hey, I want to finance this on a traditional 30-year, you know, investment loan. What can you offer? Well, us it appraised at 160. We can all, you know, we can give you 80% of that value. I don't remember all the numbers. Can't do the math in my head right now. But in a nutshell, I was all in out out the door for twenty thousand dollars, and I had a 100, 150000 fifty thousand dollar property that was you know cash flowing you know hundred dollars a month, two hundred dollars a month. And cash flow is a loose term. People use that. I view cash flow as the rental income. So let's just call it fifteen hundred, you know, thousand dollars for easy math. Yeah, uh, you know, and taking seventy five percent of that. And using that as actual income, counting the you know, 5% for vacancy, 5% for capital expenditures, another 10%, 10% for management and other kind of miscellaneous costs. I think that's 20%. And then 5% for capital expenditures, 5% for repairs. Yeah. And so, you know, when I did all that, and I took out that 25%, basically, then and, and paid the note I'm on basically $100, $200 a month.
1: And you're paying it down. You're getting some tax benefit. So if you're cash flowing a little bit, even at first... You're doing. You're getting all those benefits, but then over the long term, you know, you're going to be able to raise the rent some. You're still paying it down, and then you know, year, you know, four, five, ten, you, it really becomes more and more. Once you get into it, and it, it works early
0: on, you should be good to go. The longer you go, yes, I mean that's the beauty of real estate, right? In theory, over the long haul you've got your debt going down over time and your value going up they're running in opposite directions and that's where the power is and for that property we sold it in 2021, 21 either 21 or 22 for 325,000 you know and then yeah we had to pay some taxes and stuff like that we didn't roll it up in a 1031 exchange don't need to get an the degree on that particular deal why we didn't but the you know it that that's a huge tool i took we we took my wife and I basically took twenty thousand dollars and turned it into. I say we, you know, we sold it for three twenty-five. You got fees, all that. Say three hundred, you know, and we walked away with like one hundred eighty thousand. Yeah, um, you know, so you take your twenty. I don't, I don't know what those returns are, but they're great. They're fantastic for a four-year, or five-year period. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like that's the power of real estate. And like you start getting momentum, and you get two or three of those kind of going. That's where it's fun. I think, you know, I think a lot of people early on. I think one advantage I really enjoyed it was creative financing, like figuring out and understanding financing. Cause that's a tricky thing. Like, And I luckily being a realtor had the experience of seeing different situations and all that from the third party perspective, being outside, you know, just being the realtor for clients and understanding how it works and how it operates. And then having a lender relation that I can ask all these questions because that, so that led into, we started buying property we wanted to buy more of these. But the problem that we had then, and this is the Austin market, was our rental the rental rate of what properties would rent for it didn't match. Like I couldn't I couldn't put 20% down and have that thing cash flow. I couldn't find deals. The value of real estate went up too high compared to the rental rate where I couldn't make the deals work where they were cash flow positive at the end. So after I to underwrite everything. So what we did is thought. Let me pivot just a little bit. And we pivoted and started buying some properties in Abilene. My wife went to school there. I actually coached high school football there for one year. I had some good relationships. So it was far as three and a half hours from Austin. So I wasn't going to be able to go over and change a toilet build out. I was going to figure out some systems and, and hire people and contractors and do that. Which was a, ton, I mean, which was a ton, of, ton of fun. It was work. It was hard on the front end, but we were able to... You know, I, I feel like we did the same thing. We did the same thing that we did on that Manor property, except when I went to Abilene, everything was scaled down on price point, but the rental rates were higher. So I was able to just rinse and repeat that same thing. And so we started buying properties. There, I think in 2019 or 20, and this is this was what was crazy at this time when you're doing the Burr method and that kind of stuff. We we bought our first property there for sixty thousand. We put 25000 into it. We we're all in for about 85000 It and appraised for 125000 We used a local lender there. So not a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac back loan. Uh, we used a local lender. It's actually, it actually a, considered a commercial lender is how they look at it. And we went to them and said, Hey, we have this property. So same thing, we bought that. I uh, actually got a partner on that, and the partner brought all the money to the table. They basically acted as the initial bank, that private money. I paid, we we paid him six percent or something like that. That eighty five thousand that we used, it appraised for one twenty five. The bank said, okay, we can give you twenty percent of that. We can twenty percent of that, and they so they gave us 100000 hundred thousand. So at closing, when we refinanced that second property, we got a fifteen thousand dollar check, and that funded our business account. Now, that was 2019-20, they started tightening, everything started tightening up after that. They go, oh, I don't like that we just gave you $15,000. So the next deal we did with them, they said, "Hey, we'll give you the lesser of the two, 20% of the new appraised value or basically what you have in the deal." So we did about three or four more properties like that. And then they got even tighter and said, "No, we want you to have fifteen percent. I don't care if you bought it for fifty and it's worth two hundred. We still want you to have fifteen percent in the deal." As, as it got tighter, so we had to get more creative. We flipped a few properties there, but we, with a partner, over a, I don't know, two year, three year period, we haven't bought there in over a year and a half. You know, we were able to get. We got fourteen total properties. We have twenty two doors. It's a combination of single family duplexes, triplexes, and quadplexes. All on 10, 15, and 20 year notes, depending on the property, because we don't want cash flow. We want enough margins in there so that we're not having to come out of pocket, but we really want to service the debt as quick as possible. And so we structured each deal and each loan based on those kind of terms and what the rents were. And man, it's just been an incredible opportunity. I'm, Yeah. you know, I, I it's fun to say too to this day, I, to this day, oh well, actually, I just put in five thousand dollars the other day to cover some taxes that we've got to pay, and we're selling a property that I'll get paid back in, in a month or so. But other than that, I hadn't put a dollar in any of those properties in Abilene. Wow! And like that's the that's the creative opportunity that market shift over time. Like that that was then. That was the opportunity then. Right now, there's a different opportunity. You know, yeah. we're trying to figure out what that is and understand what that is, and then you capitalize on that. So you got to be mobile and flexible. Yep. And that's like the beauty and fun. It's not the same day every day at the office. Like it's not the same routine. It's different. You just you create, you build, you develop. It's it's exciting. And I know you've experienced a lot of that. Oh, for sure.
1: So yeah, man, I love your story. There's so much to unpack there. So let's just rewind just a little bit. Okay, sorry. No, you're fine. But when you were in Austin and you decided to go to Abilene, there's a basic math formula that a lot of people use is sort of a barometer. It's called the 1% rule mm-hmm. and bigger pockets will talk about it. It's not a hard and fast rule, but in general, if you're considering a rental property, most people would like for the rent to represent 1% of their all in cost. So for simple math, if you have a $200,000 house, you're all in financing, rehab and all that, you're in for 200, you would like for that property to rent for 2000. So Austin, similar to Dallas, you know, we have our properties, let's say over here in Plano, the average sale price is 400,000 plus minus. Well, you're not going to rent it for $4,000. You're going to rent a house like that for probably $2,200. So you're closer to the half percent, you know, half of 1% rule. And so that's not as desirable. You're not getting the, the cash on cash return. So people look towards markets that are not as as sexy, you know, they're not as sexy. There might not be as much uh, upside, you know, appreciation as an Austin or a Dallas, but you can cash flow them. So you look at an Abilene, you look at a, you know, maybe like a Wichita Falls or a um, Stephenville. And so I know we've had this conversation before. Abilene is great. And, you know, I know one of the things that you can look at there and sort of extrapolate is, you know, Abilene's got three universities. It has got an Air Force base. It's a medical hub for a lot of these rural communities in West Texas. Yeah. So, you know, you can look at that and say, okay, well, you know, Wichita Falls has a university. They're kind of isolated. They're a little bit of a medical hub. You have some of these other communities look around and the, just the buy price there is not, you know, you can buy, you can still buy a house over near Abilene probably for Hundred grand, eighty grand—is that right?
0: I mean, somewhere in that ballpark. Oh, less less than that. If you're doing a rehab, if you're buying something, you know, a little two one that's already fixed up, it's you know, ninety grand, hundred yeah. grand. So if you're wanting to get those involved, will rent, in- those will rent for eleven hundred. Yeah, you can buy something. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's insane. So like, if you're wanting to get involved in real estate, it does not necessarily take three, four hundred thousand dollars. And I've got it. You no, know, it can be a this small transaction that spends off a few hundred dollars a month. You rinse and repeat. Now. What's changed in the market, the Burr method is is not working as much right now because when you go, you can buy it cheap, you can you can renovate it, you can rent it out, but when you go for the other R, the refinance, the market rate for refinancing, especially on investment properties right now, is you're looking at probably 8% or a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so whenever that 30 year note, you're probably not covering your rent and so you're you're you maybe breaking even or going negative so it's just not as desirable now you might have to put 30% into the deal or 20% you can still make it work you know and so if you wanted to just go ahead and do it and hopefully in a couple of years be able to refinance then you could do it that way but the burr method itself is not as much of a slam dunk because of the overall interest rate environment right now so let's let's talk a little bit about I know why you paused <laughs> over an Abilene. It's initially. It's not funny, but so the distance, the distance investing is that scares me a little bit. I still like to go walk properties, you know, hug the front pillar. I know this is mine. I know this is like I have a little bit of control over what's going on here. The distance investing is a little bit more tough. I know I had enough problems here with my general contractor and my subs, and I knew them. I could talk to them and So tell us what happened over in Abilene and, you know, maybe a few lessons that you've learned moving forward as to why you paused and maybe how you would do it differently next time. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. When we were uh, there, we used our network in Abilene to find some contractors to kind of interview some guys and and met this guy like, okay, he seems solid. I mean, the pricing was coming from Austin seemed like outrageously inexpensive. And so I was like, let's go for it. He was great. He communicated. He did what well. was really a, a home run hit, minus he was extremely slow. And when you're hiring a contractor, I heard this the other day, and I feel like it's a good rule of thumb, and maybe I even heard it on this podcast, was... Uh, Tavis may have said it, but you know, you, you've got three pillars. You've got speed, you've got quality, and you've got cost. And you can usually have two of those three. A lot of times, maybe even only one, but you can't usually have three out of three and so the cost was super cheap the quality was good but he was so slow and we saw this opportunity of like we want to buy more like I, once you kind of catch that bug and you're like okay i have no money in this i'm getting this it's an asset it's twenty thousand dollars of value it's being paid down blah 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 Like okay let's run 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 so I mean, he was just super slow it was him and one other guy it was basically his crew and he'd hire out a few few guys but we were you know we were doing decent sized projects we were buying these 1960s homes that hadn't been touched that you know we were you know, we weren't redoing the cabinets, but we were painting, I'm doing, you know, new fixtures. I was just, a, you know, it was, it was a, a lot in the process. So it just took a while. So we went out and we networked again and found another contractor. Second contractor was good on price. Uh, good quality was, was great and communicated really well, which that was always important to me is communication. And so we start buying a couple, bought a couple more and he's doing them, and it was, it was going good. He then, and this is always a red flag. I'd heard of this as a red flag. He then ends up I think going through some marital problems and ask for an advance of like $10,000. Now, I'd have developed, a, we've done about four or five properties with him at this point and thought he's, you know, I trustworthy. It seems to be trustworthy. He's communicated well, blah, blah, blah. I want to help this guy, you know, help this guy out, you know. So we gave him 10000 advance and that, he still kept showing up and doing stuff. But as the divorce kind of went on and all that, communication got worse and it, I, the mistake I made is I should have broken up the relationship much sooner. And I stayed in it longer. And in a nutshell, he ended up siphoning off about 30 to $40,000 from us and work that he said that he did. And he didn't. And that, I, I, I mean, I blame him. Yes, but I don't blame him in that. Like some of that falls on me. Like I've got to get there. And that's the hard part. Like as soon as you start seeing something doesn't seem right, something's not lining up, but we were, at this time in the process, it was like acquire, acquire, acquire. It was all about acquiring and just kind of run. And, we, and I'm glad we did. And it cost $40,000. But I mean, once again, I still, we still have money in the bank, I own all those properties. And I haven't, I've just put the $5,000 in. And so we were able to you know work our way through it, but kind of going through that kind of burned us out because we had run hard there for about two years, two and a half years. And, you know, going up there, you know, every other month kind of a deal or more, you know, and I had I had some people there that had kind of eyes on the ground, boots on the ground to help out, but it was it was still just a lot of work. And so we kind of just paused, and it was a blessing too because I think timing-wise in the market, and we know kind of what's happened, It was a perfect time for us to get everything finished up. Because it still took another year to kind of rehab some of the properties. We had some properties stay vacant for a year, and so it, it, it took a while. Um, but we've kind of worked all that throughout now, and it's kind of running on its own as of now. But yeah, that's kind of why I exited out of Avalon Yeah, or paused.
1: You know, there is just at some point, there's just a trust level, you know, that you have to go. If someone has a website and, you know, 90 Google reviews are probably really expensive. And so <laughs> finding <Yeah>. guys that, <laughs> you know, are still relatively cheap and, you know, you can get in and, and make money on an investment property, but are trustworthy, it, it, it can be difficult. You know, I know for me, I have an amazing resource in Tavis and I've met a couple other investors who I respect. And so when they say, Hey, this guy's good to go, you know, in general, they're good to go. And not to say they don't ever get burned. Cause I mean, I know yeah. Tavis had recently, you know, he's gone through a few, but you have this core of people that you can, now you can go to your really, really good cheat rock guy and go, Hey, do you know a painter? I'm kind of short this next week. Or like yeah. you have that base there. So how would you go about doing it differently next
0: time you think? Um, you know, the hard thing is the guy was great at first, so I don't know that I did anything wrong. Well. He was great for the first four properties that he did. He just had, he had a life situation. I think the change I would have made is I got comfortable. It was nice. We had him, It, it did a lot of work. He communicated well. It was easy. Easy is not the right word. It was not stressful on our end. The idea of going and finding someone new, driving down there, meeting with them, doing all that was, I let the comfort. Supersede whereas I should have fired him earlier, mm. and so that probably cost me an additional 20,000. Once I knew there was 20,000 kind of gone and not spoken for, and uh, hey, you said did floors, and I'm looking at this, there's no floors. Yeah, I should have just cut the cord, and I didn't. Yeah, and some of that was one of the properties, a couple of the properties were far out on the outskirts, and it was hard, to, a little bit harder to get to. And you know, he lived in that area, yeah. and so some of that was there. So, but going back, it would have cut ties earlier.
1: Yeah, it's tough, you know, d- just dealing with people. And this goes back to my dad, you know, it, one of his faults was he was just way too nice to people and to a fault business wise, because he would just trust, trust, trust. And a lot of times he ended up getting burned, you know, and uh, I, I would actually rather, you know, be in general a person in life that probably trusts a little bit too much and gets along with people as opposed to mm-hmm. just always being the super cynic that just absolutely never gets taken advantage of uh, i would i would rather be a balance of that but if i was going to err on one of those i would probably still err on the hey if a guy calls up and says man i'm i'm really struggling is there any way you can you know Front me a little bit this week, I'll, I'll make good on it. I would probably do that at first. And maybe it just takes getting burned. I've actually had that happen where a guy that had done a good bit of work, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm running into a little bit of a problem. Is there any way you can and you know, it wasn't a ton but it it did raise that 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 little hairs on the back of your neck you're like I better not get burned here and yeah. uh, it, you know that one worked out so well so y'all y'all did abilene y'all pause there y'all have the long term rents there you're doing great so take us into the next thing which uh, i feel like you've sort of you've listened to the to bigger pockets and you're like I can do that I can do it. you house hacked your first one you got into the long term you did some
0: flipping you got into the long term. House, we house hacked the second one too. Let me give you the quick rundown of that, our personal property that we did. So yeah. we bought that one for, t- it was almost almost an acre. Yeah, that Bell? And pretty, I mean, in North. yeah, Bell in yeah. North Austin, uh, Northwest Austin. And we bought it. it. was a 1960s original house, original owner. Super cool house. <laughs> Very yep. cool house. It's 1,300 and something square feet. And this was our biggest, uh, you know, take down so far and that we did, we took on a huge project. So same thing. Okay. We use creative financing. So this is 2017. Um, we use that for, and this is, this is harder to do. You have to, if you have a personal relationship, one you can do this, we bought it for 270, but we got a loan on it from, from a friend for 350. So we ended up getting like a $70,000 check at closing. When we closed on the house. Now I'll get to why we did that in just a second. So we've got about $350,000 loan. We do about a. S- Four to five month rehab. I'm GCing it myself, but I've got I'd start using some friends and all that connections to kind of some people to help guide me. But we take it down to the studs. We convert the garage. We kind of we, we do a bunch. We open up walls, and so it, it was around at that time we kind of finished all. I mean we spent about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So we got a seventy thousand dollar check closing. I spent about eighty thousand of our own from the proceeds of the other sale, and so at this point we're all in. I think so it was yeah, so eighty thousand so I'm all in for eighty thousand of my own money. um, and I've got a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan on it, and it appraises for four seventy-five. So, like I just told you on the Abilene property, the commercial bank, they actually gave me money back. This is a personal residence, they wouldn't do that. So it's a rate and term refinance. So I've got my current rate, my current term, which was like a two-year term, you know, to do the rehab and then finance out of it. And so I just went to the bank, got a traditional Mortgage, a government backed mortgage that said, hey, I just want to rate and term refinance." So they wouldn't let me take any money out of it. So even though it appraised for 475 they would technically give me a loan amount of like $380, but I only owed $350. So they would only give me $350. So they give me the $350 or basically pay that off. So I'm all in for $80,000 on a, at that time valued at $475,000. And so that's the equivalent of less than 20% down payment. But the trick is by getting the financing on the front end from my friend, I'm able to wrap in all those rehab costs yep. into my new loan. So had I bought it for 270000 got a traditional loan, I'm then out of pocket that 150000 Right. Yeah. Banks don't do that. Right. Unless I go to a bank and do a rehab loan and do all yeah. that. Then it's complicated. You got to have a contractor, you know, your contractor shows the bids, they take draws. It's it, it can be done, but it's more of a complicated process. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so that was then, and, and another thing I want to say is like I have my wife is involved in like this process, and that's like the key component of like the design side of when you're doing flips and remodels. Like, there's an element of that, like understanding. I don't understand it. I don't understand textured walls and different colors and all that. Like I do now, being married to her, but her being involved in that process really allowed I feel like us to put out a product that was different than. I mean, if we're doing stereotypes, most or flippers are men. And you know, they they're just not as in touch with that kind of stuff traditional typically. And so but she's really good at that. And so like that was able using that and her partner along with with us and all that, like able to add value on each of those, where I feel like we were able to extrapolate as much as possible yeah. out of the, the value add that we did. And so that was that was really cool. Yeah, they definitely
1: feel different. You know, Megan has a great eye, she had a staging business for a while and went away from that, but is now doing more of the traditional design stuff. Of course, I've I pick her brain on, on design, on things. And, and you know, fast forward to the house y'all are in now y'all have done kind of a remodel of your current house and it just, mm-hmm. it feels different. It looks different. People who have uh, an eye for things. Now I'll, I'll give you credit for this. You have a great eye for landscaping and Tavis has a great eye for landscaping. And to me that that's such an, a different thing too. You know, Megan's great at interior design and picking the right colors. And let's add this little feature and that what's interesting there is like, you're taking the snapshot of a house and you're hoping that it ages well. And you're hoping that you get, you know, let's say eight to 10 years of really pretty decent modern field where you don't feel like you have to renovate it again. Mm-hmm. Landscape design is so different because it is a, an ever changing thing. And you, you have to take a snapshot when you first put it in and you want it to look pretty decent, especially if you're flipping. But then if you're, you know, you're hoping that over time it like grows into this thing and you've done, you're really good at it. Tavis is really good at it. They've kind of sort of seeing into the future and saying, this is going to fill out this way and this is going to look this way. So the combo between you, you know, you and Megan, especially there at the bell house, I mean, having an acre property in the middle of freaking Austin is unheard of. And uh, y'all could have, well, if that was a current day development, they would have fit at least two, if not three houses onto that same little, yeah. that same little corner there. So while you're in the process of house hacking Bell and y'all had kind of started thinking about moving and, you know, school districts and there was just, y'all had kids kind of, all of life was kind of taking over and it's like, Hey, do we want to be here long-term? And you were thinking about something else. So you decided to build a house, new build house. So take us into, you know, I know, I know the decision that went behind it initially. You're okay. Let's just build a house. We're gonna we maybe move for a while, and maybe this isn't a forever home, but we're gonna move into this new house over in Pflugerville and kind of talk about how you you transition that
0: um, eventually. Ah, okay. So this is this is where I go back to what we talked about in the beginning, like finding opportunities. You're in involved. You're doing this all the time, looking for opportunities in real estate. It's not. Just doing that. So I've had this was 2021 and the market's going crazy. COVID's high. Everyone's looking to build, you know, get bigger houses. Everything's, you know, basically ripping. New builds are, you know, people are paying $100,000 over asking for new build construction. Mm-hmm. And I had found a property for a client and got a good deal uh, with Lennar and uh, you know, was just talking with that lady, and she, you know, made a good, made a really good relationship with the sales agent. And this is back when I don't know, you know, exactly what Dallas was like, but in Austin, I mean, you, you couldn't buy a new built house. Like, they weren't even selling it to investors, they only sold it to owner occupants. And so, but seeing the opportunity in this relationship, I was, late, I was like, i oh, can I buy the house next door? And she's like, Yeah. And she basically gives it to me without it going on the market. And I, I you know, I feel like, it, that, you know was a good deal, and so we just bought it. It was going to take nine months to build. My thought process was: it was five thousand earnest money. I was like the market goes to complete crap. I'll, I'm I'm fine losing five thousand dollars for this risk, like because that's basically all that was at jeopardy. And so it takes about nine months to build. We build it. it's it, it was you know kind of a starter home, basic twenty four hundred for free. So not starter in the size, but you know it just there was no fancy bells and whistles. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do. How we we're going to do it. same thing? Use private money to kind of buy it and. We ended up, it was right around the same time as we sold the, the, the acre property you were just talking about. So we moved into it temporarily as a temporary housing and, ter- and then all along with the long term plan of turning it into an Airbnb. Airbnbs were big, you know, 2022, 20, or sorry, 2020s, 2020, 2021, all that. Everyone started kind of doing Airbnbs and it got popular. And so we had looked at doing some in Cinnamon Shores and some different areas and it just it seemed too risky and didn't want to do it. And so I said, let's try it. You know, my wife and I talked about it and said, let's try it here. And it would be as a good placeholder for while we're transitioning between the houses ourselves. And so bought that, turned it into an Airbnb, still operating as an Airbnb. My wife is, she bless her heart. She does it, kind of runs with it and does everything. And it, it was making about a thousand dollars a month at one time. Now everything's pulled back on Airbnb stuff, all the craziness and all that, and their, their algorithm and how they write things. It's basically breaking even now. Hmm. And so we're just waiting to, Hey, when's the right time to put this on the market? Or what are we going to use this for? We've got, you know, we've got some money in it. And so yeah. when we need the money and kind of when the timing's right. Um, but that, this is just opportunity. We just travel. I mean, not travel. We just, that gave us temporary housing. Let's buy a house and not rent something for three months, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of fill it in and be as creative. And that's where it just, you be creative. Think, think like an entrepreneur and not like within this box, right? Yeah. Like that's the, that's the fun thing. Each one of these different games, different businesses. Yeah. Diversify, be smart, learn. Rents repeat when needed and fix when messed up and learn. Definitely.
1: Like I said earlier, that, you know, the other agent, Ricky Cruz, he says, you need to be your own best customer. You're, if you're in the, in, if you are a real estate agent, if you're out there in the world and you're looking at the MLS and you're talking to people, you start seeing what constitutes a decent deal. The more you're around people and you learn, you know, I, I had a client that used their 401k to get into a house and I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I, I actually use that same method to get into my first flip when you're around people and you see people structure certain deals. And oh, I didn't know a bank would do that. Or I, I had no idea a friend would let you borrow that you learn all these things and you can, then you can start getting creative. Your brain thinks like, you know, how could I make that work? I have an opportunity. Yeah. How can I make that work? You know, I'm looking at a, a flip right now. Now Tavis is floating in the Caribbean. I have, <laughs> You know, I've got a flip I really want to pull the trigger on. And I actually may call on, you know, I'm definitely going to talk to you about it today. But, you know, a couple of these other guys that have been on the podcast that live here, it's like, I may have them do, you know, help me run the number. Just say, okay, is this a decent deal? Because I think it is. Uh, it's it's yeah. definitely a, more expensive. But you start seeing these deals it's like, okay, how would I? How can I make this work? How could this make sense? How much would I have to offer? Blah blah blah. So, let's kind of transition as we're wrapping up a little bit. You still do traditional real estate. I actually uh, left your brokerage. You know, you, you have a kind of a small family brokerage. It's basically mm-hmm. you, and it was me for a while. And I think you're. Uh, I know my my mom had a, a, her license under you for a while. You have another family member, but it's pr- relatively small. Mm-hmm. But you kind of do your own thing. And recently, you kind of reconnected with a client that megan had worked with on the staging side and it's an investor and so talk about as as a real estate agent like how working with this investor has you know worked out for you how would you recommend someone maybe looking for someone similar in their market um Mm -hmm. and kind of the benefits of working with a a really active investor in your market
0: yeah so my wife, when she started her staging business, the very first client she had was an investor that flipped houses and I ended up being her best client she did you know, did quite a bit of did a lot of business with her over the three or four year period. And during that process, you know, I got to know them or would talk to them and, and different stuff. And they would sometimes at that time, they were selling their houses their own, you know, for sale by owner, or they were putting it on the MLS somehow. I don't know how they were doing it, but they were getting on the MLS and selling it on their own. And so from time to time, questions would come up and people who basically don't have representation, you know, they, hey, what do we do here? What do we do here? You know, kind of deal. So they would call me and ask my opinion. I was always fine. i happy to share. They were, they were great for my life and, you know, so I was happy to share. So just kind of stay connected with them through that answering questions. Well, they left when the market got too tight, and they they moved out in um, 2019 to San Antonio. But this year, they've kind of seen opportunities. The market shifts back that they want to start reinvesting in into, into Austin. They own a bunch of rental properties here, and you know are looking to kind of start buying and flipping again. And well, they are. And so this time they're setting it up different. They're based out of San Antonio. They're not in Austin, and so they're taking more of an approach like who can help us. And so they've kind of brought me on uh, to sell all their houses, and so. through that process, I've kind of approached it like, Hey, this is a team effort. Like y'all win, I win. And you know, everything, all my communication, everything with them is we, it's us. It's, it's not you guys. It's there. It's like, we're building a team. I'm, there's a book I love called Who Not How. And in this particular scenario, I'm the who um, for them. Uh, to get done a flipping properties, and, and and so I'm happy to be that because I'm learning so much. It's been really nice. It's the same seller every time. I know their expectations, and we've developed our systems. Um, okay, well, when staging happens, then I do this, and when this happens, I do that. You know, kind of a deal. And so yeah. I thought it, The market overall is in Austin. Like my business would be down about forty percent, which is obviously not insignificant at all. Um, had this investor not come in. It's basically subsidized the retail side of things, my retail clients, just people... Interest rates are this high, no one's moving, things are locked down, no one wants to move and pay an 8% interest rate. So just overall volume is down. But I've sold 8 eight or 9 houses already this, this year um, for the lender or for this investor. Yeah. And it's basically subsidized that. That's going to ebb and flow with the market. So that's the risk side. Yeah. And so it, it's been really cool. It's not a bad idea for... I would say an experienced agent, you're going to be hard providing value if you're a new agent to an investor, other than you have the time, effort, and energy, you know, to put into it. Um, But really the knowledge, expertise to kind of guide them, you know, helps if you, if you have some experience, you know, it's not a bad idea if you can get someone, you know, like even Tavis, if he didn't have his license and he's trying to build a business, he don't want to be selling on his own, he wants to work with someone he can trust, you know, So
1: yeah, I'm looking to hopefully work with some investors here um, through Bigger Pockets. You know, they have their their preferred agent. I've I've tried it before. I'm about to try it again in the new year, just to try to pick up, you know, one or two. Now finding the the perfect mix of you're doing some volume, you don't have your license. Your wife's not a you know, (laughs) is not an agent. You're not wanting to write 40 offers a week on certain random things. It's like. Finding the right balance is great. But once you are out there and you find one or two of those, it could, like you said, I mean, change your business and you know, they can be a great, great partner when they respect what you're bringing and you respect their part and you're not pushing them all the time on price and you're, you know, you you could cut them a little bit of a deal on commission Mm and that sort of thing. It all works together. So it's awesome. Well, the thing I love about you is... One, it's very attainable. You know, you you are just an agent who just you know, you learned how to be an agent by getting out there, going to open you're a big proponent of open houses. Just get out there, put the work in, go sit in an open house, go represent people. Now there's a lot of people out there, who well, I want to be a, a listing agent and I want to this. There's always the perfect way to do it, but and then sometimes it's just like just go start doing business. And you you figured that out. You know, you started doing open houses. You started representing people. You started picking up a decent client who referred you here and referred you there. You use some of your connections, but that's not what you, you don't, I, I know you personally, like if you didn't know you played UT football, you know, as a backstory, you don't, you don't ever bring it up. You don't use that to sort of just get stuff done. And that's what you hang your head. You're not one of those guys that's living in the past who wears their championship ring around all the time. And that's like your only, I know that's not you, um, but you used your connections and you were creative enough to say, okay, how, how can I get this done? Who do I need to meet? And what, what knowledge do I need to gain? And it's just been piece by piece. But over the course of not a huge amount of time, you've been able to grow a very good traditional business. Plus you have, you know, 22 doors and an Airbnb and you're, you're currently flipping a project. I know right now, like you're doing it and it's just so nice to see that it's not some weird unattainable thing. It's, it's very, very doable, but you have to just start. You have to do that first project, that first house hack, the first creative finance, little, uh, how do I get an extra 20 grand to go towards this deal? And you can figure those things out. So as we're done here, like what are kind of the short-term, long-term goals? Like, what are you looking to do next? Are you, are you just wanting to try to get back into more volume of flipping? Are you wanting to get into
0: some long-term stuff? You know, what? what's your, what's your big goal? Well, it's interesting. This is, so, I got, and I was telling Megan about this. Like, I got really excited in 2019 when we started doing the Adeline stuff. Like, this was fun and it's excited. And then I've just kind of gone through the motions, just the real estate stuff and life and COVID and all this. And, um, but this year is the first year I've started to get really excited about kind of something else. I think we kind of hit a down cycle in the market. So, I think it's a good opportunity to get in. And I'm trying to build something a little bit different on this front end. So, doing some more flips, but you know, I told you I was, I was very, that very first one we did, I was very involved. Every kind of step along the process, I've gotten less and less involved, you know, as far as a day to day operation. And so, like with this, like a flip that I'm, you know, working on right now, brought in a partner who, who is a family member, everybody's a contractor. And so we just did 50 we 50 on the deal. Uh, we're 50 50 partners, but then I'm doing, I, I'm doing all the front end and back end. So I do the acquisition, I got all the financing set up. They're just, they can just focus on what they're good at, which is the contractor, contracting stuff. So we've kind of got set the parameters, did all this, set our rehab, and I've backed out. I haven't. I'm not choosing paint colors. I'm not doing floors. and I'm, I'm letting. And, and my sister is involved in that process too. But you know, kind of helps out with with some of that. But I've kind of stepped back and said, like, this isn't like I kind of want to, you know, try to run this and operate this more from a high level perspective, which is more of a business where I can go be in the caribbean for 10 days on a sailboat yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. that's what i was saying like that yeah. that's the five-year goal right to get to that where you kind of have that freedom and you got those systems and those people so it goes back to that i mean i'm real big in this book right now called who not how and it's figuring out not how you're going to get something done it's i mean the basic premise is who's going to do it mm-hmm. and how are you going to work and partner with those people to get that done because in the grand scheme even though it's going to cost you initially it's going to pay off in the long run yep and so like, trying to implement some of those things and build out a whole you know, I want to get about six levels of income. And so we're gonna do some flipping, we're doing some acquisitions. I think it's really exciting. I think actually something I heard from this podcast was Tavis talks about a lot of his relations and all his connections. He gets it from realtors. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for ten years. I've never thought well why don't I could go back and call so part of my January February plan um, is to call to, is to call all the realtors that I've worked with in the past and tell them like, hey, if you've got a property, I'll pay more than these wholesalers that hit you up every day as a realtor will pay. Mm-hmm. And so start building those connections and those relationships where, man, if I can start getting acquisition properties in, I get one contractor here, I get another contractor here, then I can kind of pick and choose or I can go find, like you were saying, if, if you're a young realtor and you want to try to get an investor client that you can do repeat business with, go figure out, go find deals. Even if it's on the MLS, yep. the, the deal we're flipping right now, I bought off the MLS. It was listed for 360. I bought it for 280. Hmm. It can be done with relationships. I didn't offer a lowball offer. I developed the relationship with the realtor figured out like, Oh, okay. There's definitely room to move on this. The seller needs to sell. I just stayed in contact for a three week period. And then he contacted me back and said, Hey, would, would you want to buy this? And I said, well, this is what I can pay. And then he come back two days later, came back and said, yeah, they would pay that. Yep. As a, you know, they would accept that. And we got a deal done. Yep. And so as a new realtor, you could go and Hey, that's free. Just go talk to a whole bunch of other realtors and yeah. say, you've got a client that did this, but don't do it like everyone else does. I get a, text a day from wholesalers Mm -hmm. or an email a day saying, do you have any sellers who can't sell an MLS? Like, no, build that personal relationship, contact, do something. And then if you get that deal, if you get a deal, you can find an investor, you can find a client, you can find someone and implement it if it's a good enough deal. So go find the deal on the front end and then you can make whatever deal work. Yep. Yep.
1: No doubt. Well, cool, man. I know we could talk about as in the past, like you, you, you are very similar in my life as Tavis. We could sit there and talk about real estate for hours and hours. I'm sure our families very much appreciate that. Anytime we're, (laughs) we're together, that's pretty much what we talk about. And, uh, and I'm either, you're either over my shoulder helping me edit a contract at my mom's 70th birthday party, or, you know, we're talking about, (laughs) we're talking about real estate, uh, before Christmas and all that stuff. So, uh, man, love you. You've, you've, you've done so much for me. I, I know you guys have tons and tons of, uh, projects in the future. And so I want to keep tabs with you. I, I will definitely have you on uh, next time Tavis is out. We'll just have you on as a, as, as my co-host and we can kind of do more of a broad, uh, uh, real estate, you know, journey. Cause you're right down the road. And I, I want to come down and do some videos of your stuff. So, uh, as y'all are, as y'all are making progress, I want to share your success and, and make sure that everybody knows about it. Cause I think y'all are doing a great job, but, um, tell everyone how they can get in touch
0: with you. I I appreciate that. I'm, I'm excited for you too. And just your journey and steps that yeah. you've taken. And, you know, I think mean, you just keep trushing for always look forward, right? Like learn from the past and then look forward. I think that gives us hope. Of what, what's the next opportunity? What are you doing? You know, just kind of to, to sure. push through. Um, I'm not, not. Super big on social media and all that. I got com, M-I-K-S-C-H realty.com. Uh, uh, is kind of my website. Uh, and then my Instagram handle is... My wife does that. I think it's Mitch Realty. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Uh, I might have to edit that. Do you want to give out your phone number? Is that probably the best way to for people to get in touch with you is your phone number? Yeah. Is that... Do you phone want number five one two six three two five eight zero five? 512-632-5805. Got any questions or I can help out in any way. I like just helping people. You know...
1: Yeah, if you're in the Dallas area and you have a deal that you find down in the Austin, you need someone to run comps, you want someone to go look at it, you want to partner on a deal, Dustin is your guy. And uh, you know, randomly I've said before the Abilene market is on the Dallas MLS. And so we see all the Abilene stuff over here. So if you, if you have questions, if you've ever thought about investing in Abilene and you want to partner over there, I'm sure Dustin would would love to uh you know team up on that too. So all right, man. Well, I appreciate everything. Hope you guys Uh, that are listening. Have a great day. I'm Ashton Hines, Dallas Real Estate Guy on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find Travis Westbrook, Travis without the R, mostly on Facebook. And these days, he has a cocktail in hand. And he is showing the beautiful waters of the Caribbean on an amazing boat. So tune in, check out Tavis for the next week or so as he's uh, showing us the high life. And then he will be back uh, between now and then. I'm going to try to get another episode out. But with the holidays and then uh, me being out, him being out, it's been a little bit weird. But we will definitely keep coming to you with a podcast. We've got a lot of things planned for this next year. And we we'll love you. Thank you so much. Share it with a friend. We really much appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye.